Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegur III. I'm Serial and my pronouns are they them. And I'm Umberto and my pronouns are he him. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 18.2, which is to say Alexander the Great, King of Persia. Also, if you're a listener that just decided to download this one episode, know that this is part two of Alexander. There is another part yes. one that you should listen to beforehand. We had a lot to say about this boy. So yeah, make sure you listen to both episodes. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, so brief recap about what happened last time is that, well, we went through Alexander's youth, his upbringing in Macedonia, his conflict with his father, Philip, his maybe murder of his father, Philip. Indeed. <laughs> He's very <Yes>. possibly murder. <laughs> it's very likely murder. I mean, it was it was a murder. It was, I mean, he that, was, it was murder. Regardless of who ordered Unclear it. Unclear if he did it, yes. Then we covered Alexander's invasion of the Achaemenid Empire and destruction of the same empire, crossing through Asia Minor, destroying Tyre, destroying Gaza, conquering Egypt, being named a god, going over to Gaugamela, destroying the last Achaemenid army, and then conquering all the way up to Persia, burning Persepolis to the ground, and now Darius is dead, and Alexander is the only king of Persia around. Okay, so, well, getting back into the story, we can say that, at this point, Alexander has found Darius dead. According to certain sources, Darius gave him the empire in his last act. But now, Alexander has to deal with some issues with his army. Because now that Darius is dead, rumor starts to spread in the camp that, well, since the Achaemenid king is dead and the empire has collapsed, we can go home now, right? Is that cool? Can we, can right? we do that, guys? Word starts to spread. It almost becomes a sort of mutiny because, well, we have no reason to go further east. It's done. It's over. The Achaemenid Empire will never be a threat again. We've taken everything. But Alexander tries to take control of the situation, goes to his men, and uh, in a grand speech announces that, yes, Darius is dead. Yes, that danger has been removed. But Bessus is still alive. He still calls himself Artaxerxes V and still calls himself King of Kings. So as long as he still lives, the Empire could come back to life and they could just ruin everything that we've achieved so far. And maybe even invade Greece again like Xerxes did. And so, because of this reason, we need to kill Bessus and then we can go home. Pinky swear. <laughs> really, guys, I promise. It'll be <laughs> worth it, just... Just a little bit more, just just a little bit. <laughs> just one more invasion, just one more invasion, guys. I swear that then we'll go home. Ah, oh, this is giving like there's no way, there's no way. Everyone has to be so done with everything by this point. They are pretty tired, and also they are now all obscenely rich, so yeah, they so have like, reason to want like, to go home. Exactly, like be able to. Enjoy this while it lasts, like actually quit while things are going well, you know. Imagine just wanting to go back to your family, which you have probably not seen in years. Actually have the money to probably retire and not have to risk your life every day fighting. And just have this guy just be like, no guys, come on, there's there's yeah. this one more thing. I promise it's the last one. And it's never the last one. I just... I feel for these soldiers, actually. <laughs> yeah, and it's been six years since they've been home. Some people are starting to get homesick oh, after a damn. while. 
But anyway, Alexander's speech is seemingly convincing enough because his men think, okay, yes, that's true, but we don't want the Persians to come back and retake everything and ruin everything that we've achieved. Okay, we accept we need to just get rid of Bessus. Fine, we'll follow you, Alexander. So Alexander heads off to the east in the northeastern portion of the empire, a mountainous region at the foothills of the Himalayas called Bactria and Sogdiana. Hmm. And this was a lot of hard work because it had taken Alexander six years to go from Macedon to owning the majority of the Achaemenid Empire. It is going to take him four years to subdue this tiny region Hmm. because it is composed of massive mountains with tight mountain passes And Bessus is launching a series of different guerrilla attacks, trapping the Macedonian army where it can't escape, fortifying themselves in tiny, inaccessible mountain cities. It is a really difficult job for Alexander to get all the way through. And also, his phalanx thrives on having a nice, clean field of battle where you can easily hold a formation together. If it's weird mountain passes with tight spaces and uneven ground, it's a lot more difficult to use your usual strategies. And also another element is that the local nobles of Bactria and Sogdiana had long-standing deals with the Saka nomads, the Scythians of a while ago. Mm -hmm. And so these nomads also helped out when they could in large flat terrain. And as we know, you can't use the same strategies that you use to attack settled people to attack horse nomads, because they can counter you easily enough. So, as you mentioned, a lot of soldiers start to think, okay, this is ridiculous. We give up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Alexander, send us home. Understandably. And this is a lot of Philip's older veterans, which mutinied, refused to go any further, and ordered Alexander to send them home and recruit new soldiers from the local population. If you need some more, we're going home. We're done. Mm Mm-hmm. And so part of these soldiers go home and Alexander's forced to start his recruitment of the local population. Unionized soldiers. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. But Alexander himself isn't immune from all these battles because he suffered some pretty serious injuries because an arrow was shot straight through his leg bone. And imagine removing that. It is not a fun time. Oh, oh, dude. Through the bone? Yes. (laughs) Not fun. Oh, No! Oh, God. Did he die from this? No, he did not, surprisingly enough. It takes more than that to kill Alexander. Or less than that, depending on (laughs) the Yeah, I was going to say. I know, I've been spoiled about the way he died. But, like, oh, that has to be awful. And, like, the risk of infection. I just... And yet he lived. (laughs) How do you get an arrow through a bone? Without, like, shattering Uh, the bone completely, I guess. Presumably a composite bow, which will absolutely annihilate you compared to the cheap Greek bows you can find back home. Dear Lord, okay. Also, he was hit in the face by another catapult stone, rendering him temporarily blind. Oh. And possibly causing some serious concussions, which changed his personality, but we'll talk about that later. Oh my god, okay, yeah. Very interested. He got Phineas gauged. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Oh, no. That is the argument of uh, Dr. Morris, who has been very kind to provide us with some of her thesis. Ooh, okay, okay. And, uh, he discusses this. But I can't we'll wait. use her more for next episode. Mm. But yeah, so in Bactria, Alexander has a lot of these weird different situations to fight in because all these fortresses are up in the mountains and almost impossible to get. 
Arian tells us one particular case in Bactria, where the defenders of this mountain city told Alexander that he would need men with wings to win this siege because otherwise they would never be able to reach him. Mm. So Alexander took this as a challenge. (laughs) You know, (laughs) since last time he decided to join an island to the land just because he could. So So this time he equips 300 of his men with rock climbing tools and crampons and ropes and orders them to scale the mountain at night when nobody can see them. Of course. So many of these men slipped off and fell to their deaths, but enough of Uh them made it. So that in the morning they were camped directly above the city. <laughs> this is. Can we have a meme of Alexander being like, but this is a sacrifice I am willing to make? <laughs> yes, some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I am willing to make. Yes. But lo and behold, somebody survived to get to the top. So at the morning, Alexander sent a message to the Bactrian saying, hey, look, I found my men with wings. Look just above you. Oh. At which point the city was absolutely terrified of what could happen when facing this man and they surrendered. I mean, have you met Alexander? Like, who makes a challenge like that? Just like, oh, you'll need men with wings because you'll never get us. Like, come on. Yeah. You really should have learned by now. But yeah, so after many setbacks and many of these sort of stunts, Alexander manages to conquer Bactria valley by valley, city by city. And in the end, Bessus just like Darius before him, was arrested by his own men, and then his men offered him over to Alexander in exchange for mercy. So Alexander sent Ptolemy, yes, that Ptolemy, with a military force to escort Bessus to him in person, where Alexander had Bessus tied to a post naked with a slave collar around his neck, and the Macedonian army passed in front of him, (gasps) jeering and laughing at him at the time. Uh, Okay, oof. Yeah, yeah. Alexander then had Bessus whipped, and after his sentence for having killed Darius, uh, his okay. nose and ears were cut off, just like Darius the Great had done with usurpers. Uh, yep, yeah, but this was not a thing to emulate, Alexander. And then he was shipped off to Ekbatana, where he was publicly executed in the old capital, reminding everybody who is king now. <sighs> great, 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 wonderful. Love it, love it, love it. Mm. Following the spirit of there's only one king of Persia now, Alexander was starting to adopt some more Eastern traditions and ceremonies proper to Achaemenid kings to ensure the loyalty and collaboration of the local Iranian nobility. Oh, so now we care. Now we care about people actually accepting us. Yes. Now he's understood that if he's going to try and run this empire, he needs to not make an enemy of all its inhabitants. Literally everybody. After he's decimated cities. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's kind of the central problem of Alexander. He has trouble deciding if he's a Macedonian king who happens to rule Iran or if he's an Iranian king who happens to rule over Macedon. Because both have implications. Surprise. Yeah, but he's starting to adopt the customs of the Iranian people and showing himself as a king. You know, he wears the traditional clothes, he adopts the traditional forms of address, that sort of thing, so that the local nobility is encouraged to see him as just another king of kings. Because, you know, Darius's legitimacy was hanging by a thread. Alexander has now conquered the empire. That's a pretty good source Mm -hmm. of legitimacy. The nobility will accept him if he just respects them and acts as they expect a king to act. Right, right, right. Because there's only so much you can do by force, and at this point, he actually needs some support. Because he's been awful. (laughs) So, you know. Yeah, he has been pretty awful, and we need to see how it goes. 
However, now that he is starting to become more and more Persianized, his nobility is starting to get annoyed. Because the Macedonians are saying, wait, but we conquered these people. Why are we pandering to them? Right. We conquered them. That is enough legitimacy for us. This is to the Macedonians as if Queen Victoria had started wearing Indian clothes and following yeah. Indian customs. Because, well, she's Empress of India now. That's how it works. Right, right, right. And people were like, no, we, we beat them. Yeah. They're like, the losers. We beat them. They're... That's enough. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. We don't negotiate with people we've defeated. That's done. But, like, well, yeah, no, that makes sense. I was just thinking of Cyrus again and being like, ah, oh, yes, the good boy <sighs> who was, like, actually <laughs> Back decent. Back in the good old days. At least the stories about him yeah. paint him as a decent, yeah. decent man. It's different. And, yeah, in, in at least this angle, Alexander's trying yeah. to imitate Cyrus by saying, I'm just your new king, I'm just the new boss, but things won't change that much. Yeah, look, I actually care about your culture and your traditions, and I don't want to wipe you off the face of the earth. Yeah, that's always reassuring to yeah. hear from your ruler. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> and also, it is at this time, when Alexander was traveling through Bactria, that one of the local nobles, who had control of some of Darius's harem, presents Alexander with a beautiful young eunuch called Bagoas. Yes, it's sexy Bagoas. He's back. And Alexander takes Bagoas as his new lover. I see. And Bagoas gains more and more influence. Oh, great, because he needed, you know, he needed more. <laughs> yeah. So we're not sure what Feistian thought of this, mm, if anything. Right. But eh. but it's not... You know, it depends on what you think it it's is. It's a different Bagoas, because the OG... Schemey Bagoas was killed by... Yeah, I don't know. This was the Bagoas that was Darius's concubine. The younger unit. Yes. Okay. Why well, everyone has the same name. Named My god. Him. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and in adopting more Persian customs, Alexander adopted the custom of proskinesis, mm -hmm. which is essentially prostration, whereby the Iranian nobles and dignitaries would just bow down, touching the floor, before Alexander as king of kings. However, this is a big no-no for the Macedonians, for whom this is a divine honor, and since the king of Macedon was always sort of first among equals, this is weird. It's sort of as if for us, if the prime minister asked you to bow before them to show respect, that's not how we do things here. So a lot of his nobles are complaining and saying, you know, Alex, yes, you've done great things, but also your head is getting a little bit big. Yeah. How about you don't do this? So Alexander changed the rule. He decided, okay, if you're an Iranian noble, then do this. If you're Macedonian, then it's fine. You don't have to. Which, eh, sort of, I guess. The, the spirit is there. But we're also told that one of his generals, a man called Polyperchon, was uh, making fun of a Persian official who was laying on the ground, showing respect to Alexander. Alexander got really mad and basically pushed Polyperchon off his couch so he was sprawled on the floor. And then seeing him on the ground said, Do you see now that you're doing the same thing you were laughing at the other one for? And you're so much better than him? Hmm. And then he had him imprisoned. But, you know, as you do. Surprise. Because... <laughs> <laughs> People just keep saying stuff they shouldn't and not considering the consequences. Uh, yeah, it's going to get worse. Oh, <laughs> it's getting worse right now. Great, great. 
Because while they're off in camp, Parmenion's son, Philotus, who was part of this family that had supported Alexander early on and had obtained some important titles in exchange. So this Philotus, at a drunken feast, told Alexander that, Oh, my family was responsible for your greatest victories. You know, yes, you've managed to achieve good things, but if we hadn't supported you at first, well, where would you be now? You wouldn't have been able to get the army at first, and everything would have collapsed around you before you even got started. So Alexander doesn't enjoy this, but he thinks that this family is still a bit too powerful. He doesn't want to act immediately, so he's going to wait a little bit. And his occasion shows up after a while. Because at one point, news of a conspiracy to murder Alexander was brought to Philotus. But given the lack of proof, Philotus thought, you know, best not to report it. It's just a vague rumor. I'm not going to tell Alexander about this. But after a while, Philotus' informant went directly to Alexander and said, Hey, listen, I tried to tell your advisor about this murder plot, but he did nothing. I thought to tell you that it would be better. Mm -hmm. Here you go with the information. And so what's Alexander's first suspicion? That clearly Philotus was in on the plan and didn't report it because he was part of the murder plot. So what Alexander does is he decides to accuse Philotus for treason, where he has him imprisoned, he has him questioned, and not only that, he has him tortured to extract a confession that implicates all the rest of his important family members. Great, let me guess. He confessed because he was being tortured. So he said, whatever. Yes. Uh-huh, as one does. <laughs> That's surprising, you know? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> torture isn't a reliable way of extracting information. We've known this. Please stop. <laughs> so at this point, Philotus was executed as soon as he signed the confession. Uh -huh. And with an implication of his father Parmenion and... Alexander's second-in-command that always wanted to turn back. Right. Well, Alexander sends a messenger to Parmenion with a letter. Mm -hmm. The messenger goes all the way, delivers the letter to Parmenion, and the letter basically says, found out you're a traitor, here's your son's confession, and the messenger kills him. So, one less threat to the establishment. So the messenger was also an assassin? Yes. Oh, d that's very efficient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here, things, have you know. this, read it. You done? Okay, bye. <laughs> That's it. That's all. <laughs> yeah, it saves on a trial, that sort of thing. Mm. Also, because Parmenion was well-loved by the army and was one of Philip's old generals, so you don't want to give him time to organize a response. So there we go. Now Alexander's gotten rid of one of the families that had leverage on him, and he is more free to use his absolute power. More and more and more. And... Not only that, there's also another conspiracy that we know about a murder attempt for Alexander. Ooh. Because half the Macedonian kings have been murdered, Alexander doesn't want to be left out. Arian tells us that among the young pages, basically all the young nobles in the court that were servants to Alexander, there began a sort of conspiracy for this reason. Because Alexander was at a hunt. And it seems to be that it might have been an echo of the Persian royal hunt that you might remember from Artaxerxes I and Megabizus and all mm -hmm. that. And during this hunt, a boar was charging at Alexander, but one of his pages brought down the boar before the king could do anything. So Alexander was furious at this and ordered the boy to be flogged. Oh. This young boy went over to his lover, and together... The two boys convinced a number of others to join the conspiracy Ooh. to eliminate Alexander. Because, well, he's acting a bit Eastern. He doesn't want to let us go home. Uh -huh. Better to get rid of him. You know, and he also... Who did he flog? 
He flogged one of these the, pages. One, what, of, his one of these boys, right? Says, so, yeah, you know, that might also add to, to it. Yeah, yeah. not ideal. Uh, However, on the night of the planned murder, Alexander had a prophetess tell him to go drinking all night. Convenient prophecy, I right, suppose. Yeah. But I also want my prophet to tell me to go drinking. Yeah. It's like your doctor being like, you know, I'm going to prescribe you partying hard for the night. Just get home at 6 a.m. in the morning, no sooner. Yes, exactly. So Alexander is nothing if he isn't obedient, so he follows this order. But after this, the news of the conspiracy came out. And so through trials and torture, all the plotters were rounded up and stoned to death by Alexander. Uh, Yep. Mm -hmm. So, fun times. And we have one last murder to go through. Fun. Because... This is also where the head trauma hypothesis comes in. Ah, okay. Because I'm listening. He is becoming more and more erratic, and he's been hit in the head several times. <laughs> you know, concussions are a thing. Yeah, oh. he might be having issues. Oh, man. Or he's just a little jerk, as he always was, depending on. To start opinion. with, he was not a very pleasant person, as far as I've been able to gather. But also, yeah. it makes so much sense that he just... <laughs> You know, he goes into battle, he gets hit on the head, and then some things start not making sense anymore. Yeah. So we're during a feast, and of course it's a Macedonian feast, so too much wine is being served. Right. So Alexander's boasting of his achievements and minimizing Philip. He's saying, oh, I achieved such incredible things. I mean, my father Philip, he just achieved some tiny, minuscule things compared to me. (laughs) But look where I am. We are now at the ends of the earth and all because of me, 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 me. Yep, yep, yep. Sounds like him. But then Clytus the Black, who was a commander under Philip and also the man who saved Alexander's life at the Battle of Granicus, told Alexander, I mean... Sure, Alex, you did great things and you're Mm -hmm. very impressive. Nobody's denying that, but you probably wouldn't achieve as much without the army that Philip prepared, without the groundwork that Philip laid. You know, Philip was still a great man. Oh, no, no, you don't do this. You don't fact check Alexander. (laughs) That's not the point. Like, of course he's wrong. (laughs) Of course he's taking all the credit when he shouldn't. But, like, don't be the person to tell him. Oh, do you have a death wish? Like... Everyone's drunk. It's how it works. Oh no. So the two exchange insults and everybody's just trying to keep them apart, like hold me back, bro. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. And then Clytus is dragged away by the other guests to keep him away from Alexander. But then Alexander grabs a spear from one of the nearby guards and takes Clytus and fatally stabs him to death. The man who had saved his life has now just been murdered. Uh, whoops. By Alexander? Yes. I... uh, Alex, go to therapy. Just please. Yeah. (laughs) Alex, listen. Like, it's... I... Yes, you are the villain of this story. Just freaking chill, man. (laughs) Is it insecurity? Is it just the overwhelming dread of having to fulfill everyone's expectations and, you know, prophecies and pressure that has been put upon you? Like, I'm not saying this came from nothing, but like, ah, come on, man. (laughs) In which world does this make sense? Also, this is roughly where the traditional character arc enters his villain phase where he's corrupted by the East. Oh, just now? Not not before? Not when we, like, killed well, the whole city? to dress and... different now. Oh, God. Nah, that's fine. Those were enemies. It's okay. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't. 
But you'll be relieved to know that Alexander felt really bad about this, oh, and he began wow. starving himself to death. Oh, that, I'm sure that will fix it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, totally. It will bring him back. Mm-hmm. But his men were concerned that he was actually going to die and leave them all stranded here at the end of the world. Oh, God. It's just not he great. doesn't have an heir. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. Alexander, who did all of this and conquered the, the biggest empire and then just had no plans on what to do when <laughs> he was not, not there anymore. Pretty much. We love to see it. And, uh, yeah. So some of his counselors say, no, 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 it's okay. You actually killed him correctly. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Because, well, you're a king and kings are above mortal laws. I mean, kings make the laws. They can't be subject to laws, Alexander. So it was fine. It's okay, actually. Let's go back. Let's continue. Let's let's raid a new city. Let's destroy a settlement. That'll make you happy, right? Okay, let's go, Alex. It's okay. Oh, god damn. Pat, pat. Just this whole thing. Uh... Yeah. So... End of the first phase of murders. We'll see what happens next. Back to conquering. Hooray. Because even though Bessus is dead, Alexander still has to secure the remains of Bactria. All the local nobles still want their rights. They still want their cities and all that. So in the end, Alexander goes on a double campaign. He goes on a military campaign. Yes, conquer cities, burn them to the ground, hear the wailing of their women, that sort of thing. The whole Conan the Barbarian speech. Hmm. But then he also tries to work with diplomacy. Oh, well. Because he talks to a Sogdian lord and decides, you know what? Yes, I'll marry your daughter. You can keep your rights and you'll bring the rest of the lords to my side. How does that sound? Okay. And this lord says, okay, sounds like a good deal. Who's this person? Just a random lord? An important lord of the region who was resisting Alexander and would have been too much of a pain to conquer a city. So Mm -hmm. Alexander says, let's make a deal. How about diplomacy? Yeah. And yeah, uh, this lord gives Alexander his daughter, Roxana, Mm -hmm. as a wife. Roxanne. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sogdian Roxanne. Oh my god. <laughs> According to certain sources, Alexander fell madly in love with Roxana, but she was not pregnant for several uh, years after, so. But, you know, according yeah. to the sources, we're trying really sources, hard you know. for Alexander to be bi. Um. Yeah. And also, it's here that we get the large majority of cities called Alexandria. Oh. Because since this place was a massive pain to conquer, Alexander decides. I'll settle my soldiers in several cities in this region, so if anybody tries to rebel, they have cities full of soldiers ready to suppress the rebellion. Right. So this is why he makes so many Alexandras in this region, because it was so hard to take that he needs a loyal population there to hold it. So it's less cities and more just military bases. Yeah. For now, the only population is soldiers and some of the local inhabitants, but... The project is to have them become Macedonian cities, but for now it's just, yes, veterans, some of the people who didn't want to keep going. He just settles them there and says, okay, you'll never see your home again. (laughs) Enjoy the new city. Oh my god. Like, it is baffling to me the kind of control that he could have over the people who joined the army in the sense of just deciding... To completely alter their lives, you know? Just like, oh, you're going to stay here. You're never going back home. 
Was this part yeah. of the deal? Oh, I don't know. I just, I tell you what to do and you do it. I don't yeah. care that you're I mean, a person with feelings and with <laughs> hopes and wants and memories and, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, so far, I mean, his soldiers love him. He's not an armchair general that sits behind. He fights in the front line. Sure. He's bled with them. So they'd respect him, certainly. But we'll see in the future that the soldiers kind of would like to see their homeland again before they die. Yeah, you know, but, like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But now Alexander has conquered all of the Achaemenid Empire, but kind of wants to keep going. Alex, take a break. Just take a nap. Yeah. But he quickly reads through a history book and says, oh, 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 but guys, Darius the Great conquered the Indus Valley, so we have to take that oh to finish God. our conquest of the empire. <laughs> Alex, stop. Please, I'm begging you. I mean, I'd love to send you all back. I'll definitely send you all back once we finish conquering the Achaemenid Empire, but we still have this little bit left. We have to go. I mean, I don't make the rules. I'm sorry, guys. You do Let's make go. the rules. You do, though. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, off he goes, crossing the Hindokush Mountains, crossing the Himalayas, basically, to get into India. In his role as King of Kings, he wants to reclaim the lands that Darius once had. Mm -hmm. Although, by now, they had fallen into several independent kingdoms. They were mostly paying lip service to the Achaemenid Empire, basically saying, yeah, yeah, we're officially your subjects, but practically, we don't care. I see. So, as soon as he crossed, his reputation precedes him, and he receives tribute from some of the local Indian rulers. Please don't kill us, thanks. <laughs> Yes, and was invited by a local king to fight his great rival, the King Porus. Mm -hmm. Also, we get a lot of propaganda at this point of Alexander trying to make himself a god. <laughs> yes, you do. Because, well, you have to know that the last Greeks that came this far were his ancestor Heracles and the god Dionysus. Right. And Dionysus is quite divine. And Alexander tries to identify himself with Dionysus. Dude, of all the gods, of all the gods that you could choose from. I mean, it feels like it's accurate. Honestly. I mean, yeah, he is unhinged, so I guess, I guess that is fair. Yeah. So Alexander tries to identify himself with Dionysus, and this is also from where the Hellenistic cult of Dionysus evolves. Because before it was sort of a mystery thing that was not seen very well by the official sides, yeah. but now that Alexander is portraying himself as the great conqueror and adventurer Dionysus, well, of course, all the other kings will want to identify themselves. And this will lead eventually to Antony in a while identifying uh -huh. himself with Dionysus. Yes, yes, yes. Versus Augustus with Apollo. Yes. Yeah. Also, it seems that Alexander found here a small village, which was apparently the only one in India where grapevines grew. And this was where Dionysus had stopped when he first passed. And so, ah, Alexander has a great drinking time there. Uh-huh. Celebrating. Right. Although it looked like Alexander wasn't fully on board with his own propaganda. Like, okay. he still understood that he was a dude. Oh, I see. Well... Yeah, because we get a fun anecdote where he was struck in the ankle by an arrow at one point. Yeah. And was bleeding, of course. As you do, yeah. And one of the Athenian poets he'd brought with himself to talk about the expedition mm -hmm. was quoting the Iliad by saying, Icar, such as floweth from the blessed gods. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it, I, I see it, I get it. At which Alexander replied, That's not Icar, you fool. That's blood. Look at it. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm back on board. I like this down-to-earth Alexander. Yeah, he understands that it's an act up here. It's for the people. He knows he's not a god. Okay, good, good. But off we go to fight Porus, fighting in India. So Porus Mm -hmm. seems to have been the most powerful king of this region and had about 25,000 soldiers and 200 elephants, which had never before been seen by the Macedonians. Oh, interesting. This will be fun. So imagine this. You're a poor Macedonian farmer. You've been (laughs) transported halfway across the world. Now you have to fight monsters with trunks in an environment that you have no idea how to deal with. This is going to be fun. Uh, Yeah, of course. Oh, this is excellent. Yeah, certainly. So Porus was waiting for Alexander, heard the news, and in May 326, faced him at the Jhelum River, which marked the border between his realm and what Alexander now controlled. Mm -hmm. And the river was also swollen with water due to the monsoon, so it was very hard crossing time. So Alexander wanted to initially wait for a crossing, Mm -hmm. wait for the water to reduce itself. Yeah, so it wouldn't be so terrible to to cross. But eventually he found out that the water was continuing forever. (laughs) And, you know, not accustomed to the monsoon. Mm. So he decides, fine, whatever. I'm going to have a fleet of little ships and I'll cross half of my army across the river far away from Porus's position. Mm -hmm. And the other half will cross where Porus is. So we'll try and encircle him that way. Okay. So Porus sees these preparations and sends part of his men under his own son to the furthest crossing point where Alexander was. But unfortunate for him, Alexander's troop manages to cross first, and Porus' son was killed in battle, and the Macedonians managed to cross as they had planned. I see. But this did not come without sacrifice for Alexander. Ooh. Because his beloved horse Bucephalus (gasps) was fatally wounded. Oh no. And died here, far, far away from where he was first taken by Alexander all those years ago. Bucephalus. Yes. In his memory, the city of Alexandria Bucephala will be founded. Ooh, I see. But anyway, in the Battle of Jellum, or as you may have heard of the Battle of Hydaspes. Two names? Wait, two names. The original Greek name was Hydaspes, the modern name for the river is Jellum. I see. So, okay. okay. That's different nomenclature. But yeah, so Alexander crosses with part of his army, the other half crosses in front of Porus, so they have him in a pincer movement. Mm hmm. And the elephants cause massive devastation because the Macedonians have never seen them. They have no idea how to fight elephants. This is not how they work normally. Yeah, Please. honestly, I also wouldn't know how to fight elephants. Yeah. Also, Porus himself is fighting in person on top of an elephant. Oh, dude, that's rad. And it seems like he was a very tall man because Arian's description says that he looked on an elephant like Alexander looked on a horse. <gasps> dude, imagine. I mean, I, I, I think this amazing. is hyperbole, this is exaggeration, but like imagine if you could actually look at an elephant like you would usually look at a horse. Which horses are very yeah, tall. Was... They're always taller than I imagine they should be. So. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but, well, Horus is fighting there in the front lines, fighting in person, but the Macedonian phalanx did what it did best and managed to push back the Indian forces until they were forced to retreat. Right. Then Porus presented himself to Alexander and surrendered personally and discussed terms with him. And we get a good scene of the meeting between the two kings from Arian. Because as I mentioned, the 2.2 meter tall Porus with the meter and a half tall Alexander (laughs) had a nice chat. (laughs) And 
Alexander asked Porus, well, how do you want to be treated now that you have been captured? And Porus replies, I want to be treated like a king. Fair. And Alexander said, okay, anything else that you want? Porus said, everything I want is contained within the statement, treat me like a king. Okay. So Alexander seems to have been pretty impressed by this and respected Porus for this attitude. So much that he actually allowed Porus to keep his kingdom oh. and gave him some more lands as long as he swore fealty to Alexander. I mean, cool. That's, yeah. yeah. Honestly, also respect to Porus for being like, yeah, I mean, if you're asking me how I want to be treated, like, this is how I want to be treated. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, I'm a king. Treat me like a king. Yeah. This is how it works. <laughs> so, yeah, Alexander respected that spirit. Also, just as a specification on how far in india we are because generally people say alexander went to india you don't get a clear picture of how far it is so you know don't imagine him going to bengal or the far south of india he only really went through pakistan which has the Indus river valley in it mm -hmm. and then he partially went a bit in punjab and sindh but you know not much further than that okay. he's uh, he's not going terribly far yeah I mean, we just arrived, right? So, like... Yeah, exactly. So now Alexander has reached the border of Porus's kingdom, and now he has arrived to the Hyphasis River, mm -hmm. which was the border of Darius the Great's India. Right. Yeah, because we've been here before. Yeah. And, well, why did Alexander go to India in the first place? What was his justification? To retake Darius's land? Yeah. Well, he's gotten to the edge. Okay. Now what? Mission accomplished. Time to go home. <laughs> because he tells his men, no, 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 come on, just a little bit further. We're almost at the edge of the world. We can reach the ocean. Alex, just, I swear to God. Just, just one, just one more valley. We can do just one more valley, guys. Come on. But then when he gets to the Hyphasis, he finds out that there is a massive plain and there is no ocean in sight <laughs> until the horizon. <laughs> So, about being almost done, guys. So, yeah. Alexander wants to go all the way to China, where the world ends. Right. Honestly, is there anything more Alexander than that? Just like, oh, the world <laughs> continues? Really. Well, then. We continue more as well. world. It has to be mine. Yep. Yeah, it, I picture him a lot like Charlie Chaplin, the great dictator, playing yes. with the globe. <laughs> like, my world. <laughs> I just is like, oh, there's more? Well, I guess there's more. I guess we have to continue. I'm sorry, guys. Just, yeah. you know. Also, incidentally, this is where we get a famous misquote of a oh. sentence of Alexander. Because I don't know if you've heard it, Serial, but there's a famous quote that says, and Alexander wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Okay. Well, that is a misquote that makes him look a lot better than he does. Yes. As most things do. Yeah, because the real quote is actually Alexander talking with a philosopher that he brought along. Uh -huh. They're having a discussion. The philosopher points to the heavens with the stars and says, Alexander, well, some philosophers think that all these stars are actually worlds just like our own. Oh, Isn't fun. that cool, Alexander? Yeah. And then the real quote here, as opposed to the misquote I mentioned, is, and Alexander wept. For he knew that there were so many worlds to conquer, and he hadn't even finished one. Oh my god. Alex, seriously, look for a different hobby. I'm begging you. Oh. <laughs> yes. And 
Yeah, there we are. Wow. So we're at the Hyphasis, and Alexander's men are tired. They had been fighting for a decade. It had been 10 years their way, and now they're in India. They don't understand the place. There are terrifying murder beasts. There's the monsoon, and they don't understand how the monsoon works because their clothes are molding due to the humidity and they can't keep anything dry. Their weapons are rusting as soon as they're polished. Everything is terrible and they hate it here. They want to go home, Alex. Alex, please. I'm begging you. I'm on my knees. Also, just, it's been a Trojan War length of following Alexander. Yes, Alex would appreciate the comparison. (laughs) Well, you know, apparently not enough to stop. No, he took all the wrong lessons from the Iliad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so all his men are telling Alexander, no, seriously, we're tired. Let's go home. The end of the world is clearly far away. We're not reaching it anytime soon. Alexander, we're going home. We're leaving. Bye. So Alexander tried to convince his men, saying, no, 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 come on, just a little bit more, guys. A little bit more. And he gave money to his men. He gave them bonuses. He gave speeches about why they should go on. But unlike other times when people started to cheer, now everybody's just staring. Yeah. And at one meeting Alexander has with his officers, an old veteran of Philip tells him, Alexander, you don't know where to stop. That's it. Go. Seriously, now. And all of Alexander's officers then clap. Oh, no. For this guy. Oh, no. He's so dead. (laughs) He's so dead. But at this point, Alexander then goes out to all his men and says, Okay, fine. If you're all so cowardly that you're not going to go ahead with me, it's okay. I'm going to go on my own with my loyal men. You can all go home if you're so scared. (laughs) And Alexander tries to go forward, but no one follows him. (laughs) Something tells me he did not take this well. (laughs) Depending on the sources, we'll find out that he took it from not very well to murderous rage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we know Alexander and how seriously he takes himself and how full of pride he is. Oof. This. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So when he sees this, he goes back to his tent. Reportedly cries because he won't be able to reach his goal and the next morning he shows up in front of the army and says i took some omens in my tent and well the gods have told me that the omens aren't good for crossing the river we're going home oh sure it was the gods though i'm not doing it because you guys told me i i I consulted (laughs) the gods okay yeah exactly and so alexander there leaves colossal statues of the 12 olympians at the edge of his journey and a brass obelisk with the inscription, Alexander stopped here. Alexander was here. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically. So in autumn of 326, Alexander turns back. Okay. But he sort of has a loophole in the going home part. Oh, jolly. Because yes, he could go back the way he came, but he could also just conquer the remaining of the Indus Valley. Uh, yeah, I mean... And use that way to go home. <sighs> Yeah, so it's like, yeah, no, we're not going to go back the way we came. We're going to go to a completely different place so we can take more cities on the way. Yeah, we're going back, but... Mm. We're going the fun route. Yay! Road trip. (laughs) Road trip with Alexander. Oh, no. (laughs) Fun times. So he builds a fleet of ships to go down the river and his army's going to follow along. Mm -hmm. But even here, his men are still, like, 
They're saying, seriously, Alexander, if I see you going even a step east, I am going to seriously mutiny yeah. and end you. Yep. So to keep their morale going, he says, okay, it's fine. Any cities we take, feel free to loot them, destroy them. No worries about the civilian population. Take whatever you want. I don't care. Please, I just, I just need this, guys. <laughs> I can stop whenever I want, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, but even that, his men are not willing. Because on one occasion, none of his men were willing to scale the walls of an well, enemy yeah, city. They just don't want to fight anymore. They, they don't even, like, yeah. how is looting going to make up for it? They are rich. They are not in need of more stuff. Yeah, they're richer than Macedonian kings used to be. They just want to go home, Alex, please. And so when nobody's willing to scale the walls, Alexander himself charges up the ladder to try and take the city himself. Alex. And only way they see him being pierced by an extremely long Indian arrow, which pierced his chest just above the lung and possibly through it. Do the soldiers decide, okay, fine, we can't just let him die like this. Let's go. (laughs) Like... We actually still care about the guy. He's a douche, but like, ah, oh, goddammit, okay. So they charge up, take the city, but Alexander has been grievously wounded. He will get killed. <laughs> the idiot. <laughs> Let us just, you know, this can't be it. It's not gonna look good. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently the wound was so serious that, well, they had to pass the arrow through his chest, oh, again, uh, out, which is never pleasant. Uh, that rumor spread around that he had died uh-huh. and his men were starting to say, okay, how do we get home now? What's going on? Yeah. Do we just kill the officers and run away? What's, what are we doing? What, 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 guys, what, what's the plan? What's the plan? Yeah. And Alexander went into a coma. Oh, oh okay. So he was really like dying. It is very serious. Oh, no. Yes. And he goes into a coma and as soon as he wakes up from a coma, his officers say, Alex... Please show everybody you're alive, because otherwise we're all screwed. <laughs> Alex, please say something. Hold up the, the newspaper of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so Alexander, just out of a coma, in terrible pain that he can't walk, gets himself put on a horse oh, no. and rode through what? the encampment. Would it be enough to just be like, hey guys, I'm fine. Like, I don't know. Well, he needs the whole army to see him. Oh my god. So he's put on a horse, feverish, in and out of consciousness. He shows himself to the soldiers saying, I'm still alive. (laughs) Don't abandon me. Oh god. (laughs) This is going great. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Alex. Things are going downhill for Alex. But finally, in July of 325, Alex reaches the delta of the Indus River. And... Uh. He orders his Admiral Nearchus to sail along the coast to supply Alexander's withdrawal, and Alex is going to cross the Gadrosian Desert. Sure. Because... Why not? There is a legend that Cyrus hadn't even managed to cross the Gadrosian Desert, so... I wonder well, why. So, well, Alex is definitely going to make it where Cyrus failed. Uh-huh. Huh, losers. <laughs> and also, there is a nasty rumor oh. that Alexander... Wanted to go through the desert to punish his men. Oh, no. That the idea was, oh, you want to go back, do you? You want to go back home? Let's see how much you enjoy going back home. Let's see if any of you make it back home. Come on, Alex. They served you so well. What is your issue? 
It's a rumor. I personally don't believe. It. I, I don't, don't think, think he would like, go like that they, far. They loved him, but, and so I, I, I yeah. guess he he had been good to them. Like he doesn't hate his men, and he's also not. He can't be that stupid, right? Like, I, I mean, I don't believe that. I mean, he has had a lot of concussion, <laughs> but like, he can't be that stupid. Yeah, it's it's a problem, and yeah, I don't think he seriously wanted to destroy his men this way i think it just happened okay i think it was just overly ambitious yeah the problem is that nearchus fleet was meant to resupply everybody mm-hmm. but it didn't show up oh no oh oh whoopsie so many men died from dehydration heat stroke or eating the poisonous plants and animals they found along the way in desperation mm-hmm. they were also struck by a sandstorm and a flood which caused the death of about 60,000 of Alexander's 85,000 men. Oh. Absolutely destroying my God. the army. I, I have no words right now. Yeah. Although it seems that Alex wanted to sort of share the suffering of his men, because we're told by Arian that while he was in the desert, everybody was dying of thirst, everything was terrible. Alexander was offered a helmet full of water. Mm-hmm as the only man to have some water. But Alexander, instead of just drinking this in front of all his men dying of thirst, Mm -hmm. he just poured it into the sand. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's better. (laughs) Because, you know, everyone's... You could have given it to someone. Yeah, exactly. You're just wasting the water. Uh, I appreciate the gesture, but also could have been better organized. (laughs) Oh, damn. Yeah. So why did things get so bad? Well, again, one theory is he wanted to punish his men. I mean, the resupply failing kind of, you know, explains... Yes, that's kind of the issue, because why did the resupply fail? Yeah, where is it? It could have been that Nearchus was unaccustomed to sailing in the Indian Ocean. They didn't really know the winds and currents. They got lost. It was a bit of a mess. Mm -hmm. It happens. It's an accident. Right. Alexander had another theory. Mm -hmm. He thought, wouldn't it be convenient for all my nobles if I just disappeared in the desert and into legend? And they didn't have to deal with me anymore. Right. This sounds a lot like treason. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like, on one hand, I get it, because fair. Fair that he would think that. On the other, what if it's not, though? <laughs> yeah, you don't know. It could have just been an accident. Yeah. I mean, Nearchus definitely claims it was a mistake, but of course he would do that. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, there we go. But Alexander finally makes it out of the Gedrosian Desert and finds a city where he and his men resupply and rest and recover. Mm -hmm. And in honor of this recovering, Alexander tries to cheer everybody up and he organizes seven days of celebration with different athletic and artistic competitions at the time. Nice. I'm sure everyone felt like partying, I'm sure. Eh, I mean, you know. (laughs) Eh, difficult. Like, I, I empathize with these soldiers. I'm just like, I just want to sleep. Man. I just want to eat and drink and then just pass out forever and wake up in my home. Yeah, but Alexander is trying to say, hey, listen, guys, I'm sorry. Here's as much wine as you could possibly drink. <laughs> Are you sorry? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Try and recover. But we get a cute scene from Plutarch. So, yeah. hey, look, it's going to be Alexander isn't as bad as he is. Uh, well, or, you, know, you know, sort of. I have my doubts. Forgive me if I have my doubts at this point. That's understandable. 
So we are told by Plutarch that one day there was a dancing competition. Oh. And, well, who was participating in the competition, if not our friend Bagoas, the eunuch. Oh, right. Alexander's lover. And so they have a nice dancing competition, and who should win but the lovely Bagoas? Hooray. And so Bagoas, as he hears the news, as he's announced as the victor, he goes all in his makeup and stage dress. He runs over and sits in Alexander's lap. Mm-hmm. At which point all the Macedonians start clapping the celebration. And not only do they start clapping, but they start to chant, Kiss! Kiss! <laughs> kiss! 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 And now, kiss. <laughs> At which point, Alexander finally takes Bogoas in his arms and gives him a big old smack on the lips Aww. in front of the entire assembled army. Cute. That's cute. Let's hope he didn't cause the death of 60,000 people. Yeah. Uh, you know. Also, um... Plutarch tells us about this? Plutarch, yes. Yeah, fun. Yes. Yeah, Plutarch has a lot of fun stuff, but yeah, Arian is our main mm-hmm. campaign source. Right. Plutarch is our main anecdote source, mm-hmm. usually, get roughly. But yeah, so now Alexander is back in the Empire. How does he rule it? Because he hasn't he? proven very good at it. Yeah. Well, when he checked the situation of the Empire, he found that everything was a mess since he had left. Yeah, surprise. You left nothing in place, so... Because several Persian nobles had attempted to rebel. As you do. They had been suppressed and replaced with Macedonians, but not ideal. Mm. There was widespread corruption and embezzlement from several governors. (laughs) fun. (laughs) Because, well, you have more money than anybody had seen in their lives. Yep. It's easy to make it go around. And also, several governors at the borders had just formed their own kingdoms. Oh, fun. Expecting that Alexander was never going to return home, so might as well. <laughs> might as well just go with this. Uh, who cares? Yeah. So Alexander begins a great purge. He calls all the satraps to him and executes those that he didn't trust. Uh-huh. Yes, you do. Also, he ordered all the satraps to disband all their mercenaries, just stop paying them and leave them. Okay, yeah. So there's no army. Yeah, that makes rebellions less likely, but... Now there's a bunch of mercenaries who have nobody to pay them, and the only way they can get money is to be bandits. Ooh, yeah. Not great. So that's not ideal. And also we're told that as Alexander marched further west, he became more and more paranoid and had many Persian satraps just executed without any evidence. Uh, Often due to the suggestion of just some courtiers who had a private enmity. Yeah. Oh boy. And a lot of the blame of this, though I don't believe it falls on Bagoas, Because, well, he's a eunuch, nobody tends to like eunuchs in this context, so people are probably just blaming him. It's just the lover, of course. But, you know, could be. Bagoas might just have... I mean, it is someone close to Alexander, so, you know, like... Yeah, it's possible, but it feels like a convenient scapegoat for everyone else. But yeah, so despite Alexander's conquest being impressive on paper... Mm-hmm. It took a lot of effort to consolidate it because, again, in Bactria and Sogdia, he fought for an incredibly long time. He settled thousands of soldiers in the little cities that he founded, all the different Alexandrias yeah. that were made there. But outside of Iran itself, he met not much resistance, but was actually welcomed more with open arms by the peoples mm-hmm. who had rebelled against the Achaemenid government, you know, in particular in Egypt, as we know. Mm-hmm. Where he sort of followed Cyrus' example of saying, you guys do whatever. Sure, I'm called by your gods. I respect that. It's fine. 
in Egypt, he is the divine pharaoh. He went to their local oracle where he was declared god. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. Yeah. But Alexander had to see what to do with the old Achaemenid administrative system that kept the empire running for 200 years. Right. Basically ever since Darius the Great. Yeah, since Darius had put it in place. I remember this. So Alexander sort of understood that, yes, this is important to keep in order. Otherwise, I don't know who to trust. These people are the only ones who know how things are run, so I should probably not purge them all. Yeah. Smart. Good job, Alex. Yeah, exactly. So he tries to show a lot that he is um, a new Achaemenid king. As we mentioned before, he wears the clothes, adopts the customs. He is trying to show himself like mm -hmm. this. Which sort of comes into contrast to his treatment of Persepolis. Because right. there he was leading a Greek crusade against the Persians to try and avenge Athens. Yeah, it was bad. It was but awful. now he's trying to act as the king. So, eh. He's trying. But as we mentioned, the Macedonians are still annoyed that they have to deal like this with what they see as their subjects now. Right. What do you mean respect to the people we rule yeah. over? What? That's ridiculous. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so Alexander tries to merge the two nobilities. He decides, mm -hmm. you know what? The best way to solve the situation is with a marriage. Yeah. Not just one marriage. 91 marriages. Oh my god, Alex. <laughs> Because Alex returns back home to Susa, where he and 91 of his companions took Iranian noblewomen as wives in a single Persian-style ceremony, oh. where Alexander married Statyra, the daughter of Darius, and Parasatis, the daughter of Artaxerxes III. Oh. Seriously? Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I know these people. Hey. Look at yeah. That. Wow. So he's trying to combine himself to both lines of succession, so he's fully legitimate, and, well, he asks every other Macedonian noble to do this. Wow, unbelievable. In particular, he actually asks Hephaestion to marry another daughter of Darius, oh. mm -hmm. because Alexander wanted their children to be his own nieces and nephews. So this seems nice-ish, I guess, in a conciliation point of view, mm -hmm. but it has issues. Because, well, first of all, the Macedonians don't like this. The Macedonians are doing this very reluctantly, and after Alexander dies, all except one of these Iranian brides will be divorced. Hmm. So it doesn't stick. And also the problem is that this is insulting to both Macedonians and Iranians. Oh, great. Good job. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> so the Macedonians are just saying... Why are we marrying our subjects? Yeah. Why shouldn't we just marry Macedonians as we've always done? These people are beneath us. What are you doing, Alex? Mm -hmm. But the Iranians are saying, you say that this is to join our nobilities to make us equal, but it's only Macedonian men marrying Iranian women. Yeah. No Macedonian princesses are going to Iranian nobles. This is clearly not an equal treatment. Yeah. So his heart is sort of in the right place, but he's clearly not read up on it yeah. enough to make it a positive effect. Oh boy. Yeah. Also, Alexander starts to build a lot of cities on the border with the nomadic peoples. Again, Alexandria's mm -hmm. to ensure that the border is more secure. He doesn't want to deal with the Saka that much. Yeah. So he tries to keep everything there. But he does sort of try and keep the old Achaemenid Empire together, which is why some historians call him the last Achaemenid. Okay. Because he's the last person that's making an effort. To actually keep it, as yeah. 
minuscule as it might be, to actually act as an Achaemenid king. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is going to be Macedonians governing this area. Right. Alexander's the last guy that's saying, no, I'm, I need to try and merge the two souls of my empire. Right. I mean, he did marry the Achaemenid ladies, so, you know... Yeah, he he has, really... she's married two Achaemenid princesses, a local noble. She's trying hmm. somewhat. And also he tries to connect himself with the memory of Cyrus because he visits course, Cyrus's yeah. tomb, Fan which boy. was apparently looted after he went to India. So <gasps> Alexander felt terrible about this. So he renovated it, filled it with a lot of glorious grave goods and ensured that it was restored to its former oh, glory. Nice. So, yay, they meet. I wonder what Cyrus thought. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm sure Cyrus had some pointers. But also... You know, I'm sure yeah. Cyrus was also painted as much better than he was, so... I mean, also Cyrus was a conqueror, Yeah, so yeah. Presumably. You can only be that good of a person while being a conqueror, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> things. <laughs> and also, Alexander, in trying to merge these two cultures, tried to train Persian youths to fight as Macedonians in a phalanx and teach them how this works mm -hmm. in an attempt to join his power bases. Right. But the Macedonians saw this as, oh, Alexander wants to replace us. Oh, he's gone oh, no. fully off the bridge. He's going entirely native. Oh, God. Ugh, terrible. Wow. <laughs> so we get a lot of unhappy people. Mm, great. Fun. Nothing will go wrong, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> in the spring of 324, Alexander gathered his Macedonian soldiers at Opus, just north of Babylon, and announced to them that all men unfit through age or disablement were to be retired with generous pay and sent back to Macedon. Yay. Nice. Awesome. Problem is that everybody read this as an insult. What? <laughs> Why? No, guys. This is your chance. No. <laughs> uh... Because those discharged said, oh, what, we're not good enough for you? Yeah. You want to have Persian soldiers now? Oh, oh look at you. <laughs> look at the Persian king. Uh, While the soldiers that weren't discharged said, wait, but we fought just as much as those guys. Why don't we get to go home? Oh, great. What do you mean, Alexander? I love that everyone was mad. Just everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is going Everything great. Everything is on this fire for this reasons. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alex. Dude. So they all start to shout at Alexander and almost about to revolt. And so Alexander has the 13 most vocal ringleaders executed. Yeah, as you do, because that's how you deal with yeah. disagreements. If the person's yes. dead, there's no disagreement if nobody's there to disagree with you. Yeah, it's fine. And then he has a famous speech at Opus, which you can find on YouTube. Ooh. It's good. <laughs> Damn, just real classic YouTube right there. <laughs> yeah. Old time. <laughs> he says first of all without philip you would be nothing before philip came you were all just random shepherds in the hills of macedonia scared about raids from neighboring tribes after philip you became their lords but everything that philip did pales in comparison to what i gave you you're now richer than any man you have ever known I mean that's fair you have satrapies you are lords of the world and look at me all I have more than you is a diadem. That's it. I don't take more riches than you. I sleep with you in encampments. I fight with you when I fight. If any of you have scars, strip and show them to me. Look, I'll show you my scars. I have <laughs> as much as any of you. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. I apologize <laughs> for being an idiot. 
And so Alexander says, okay, if you want to leave, go. Fine. I don't care. It's okay. I guess I'll be happy with the Persian troops here. Ooh. So how did this go? Huh? Well, he retreats to his tent and refuses to see any of the soldiers. He refuses to talk with any of their representatives. Because this is how you solve disagreement and conflict. You just refuse to talk to the people. (laughs) Very healthy. Yeah, not only that, he just calls a series of Persian nobles to his tent and no Macedonians. And he has discussions with them. Oh, unbelievable. And... All the Macedonian soldiers at this point just break down crying and they say, Alexander, we are so sorry. We didn't mean this. This worked, come on. It's been a long decade and a half. Please forgive us. We're really sorry. Please, please allow us to serve again. We are so, 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 so sorry. (laughs) Please, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. And so Alexander said, okay, fine. All right. Very well, soldiers. And so he sent all of them back home to Macedon, okay. where they would uh, be allowed to retire. But he made a note of the names of the ringleaders. Ooh, you know, it's okay. always good to remember. Yeah, but he sent them back home. They're home finally, after I don't know Yay! how many years, <laughs> 10 plus years. Uh, it's been 12 years since they oh, left. Oh, God. 14 damn. for some of them. God damn. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder it's what they're going to find when they get back home, because things are certainly not going to yeah. be... How they left them. Oh, definitely. I mean, imagine if somebody had a child at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, had a child before leaving. When they come back, they're... Who are you? <laughs> Young man. Okay. Yeah. So, after this is done, Alexander and his retinue went to the summer capital of Batana, hmm. where they have a grand festival for Dionysus. Oh, fun. And what does a festival for Dionysus involve? Drinking. So much alcohol. Yep. Like poisonous quantities. Quite true. Because Ooh. at one point, Ominous. at one party, Hephaestion collapsed oh. and was taken by a very high fever. Oh, no. His doctor then gave him a very strict diet and uh, Hephaestion slowly got better. His fever was okay. leaving and uh, Good. improving. Good. It was actually so much better that Alexander felt safe leaving Hephaestion's bedside mm. and going off to see the games that were there for the festival. Right. Okay. However, that day while Alexander was away, Hephaestion counteracted the orders of his doctor. No! And ate a huge meal. Hephaestion! Which killed him shortly after. Oh my god! No! Listen to your doctor! Yes. Oh! Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Seriously. No meal is worth that. God, I hope it was <laughs> Definitely tasty. not. Damn. <laughs> Pretty much. And, well, there is rumor that since it was his meal that led to his end, that yeah. it might have been members of the court that oh, no. wanted to get rid of Hephaestion. Why? Hephaestion is a good boy. Why? Uh, he was one of the supporters of Alexander's Persianization policy. I guess, I guess, so, but... Yeah. Oh, oh, no. What Hephaestion? Yeah. How do you think Alexander deals with grief? <laughs> um, he doesn't. Um, do you know the beginning of the Correct. Iliad when Achilles yes. absolutely destroys Hector to the point that the gods themselves ask him to stop because Patroclus just died? Correct. Uh-huh. Alexander is absolutely destroyed by the death of Hephaestion. No matter what the relationship may have been at this point, and you may have made up your mind, mm-hmm. uh, given that we've gotten to the end of his life, 
Alexander is annihilated because he cut his hair entirely as Achilles had done for Patroclus. Mm. He ordered mourning throughout the East, banned musical instruments in the city, crucified the doctor of Phaestion, which frankly it's not his fault. Blameless here. Yeah. And he also destroyed the temple of Asclepius in Ecbatana. Oh, right. Asclepius, god of medicine. Yes. Presumably it was a local equivalent, but you know, mm. there we go. Yeah. He then prepared a funeral that took one year to prepare and cost 10,000 talents that, with some back-of-the-envelope calculations based on state revenue, is approximately 10 billion euro. Ooh, okay. The funeral pyre was 15 meters tall and adorned with gilded sculptures by the finest artists of the age. Mm. And finally, Alexander asked the oracle at Siwa if Avaisyon could be made a god. The oracle said that Phaestion could not be made a full god, but he could definitely be worshipped as a hero, mm. as Patroclus. Right. So there. Oof. That's unfortunate. Honestly, better than I expected. I mean, very over the top, obviously, and but he did not at least kill, like, a thousand cities, you know. Well, yes, you say that. Oh, God! <laughs> actually, after Hephaestion's death, Alexander threw himself into a new campaign against of mountain course. people south of Ecbatana. Of course. Exterminating their entire population as an offering to the shade of Hephaestion. Okay, well, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Grief really is something else. And for an unhinged person who does not deal well with emotions or anything like not going their way, I guess Alex really wasn't ready for, you know. Definitely not. And this also messed up Alexander's plans for Mm. succession. Because we don't really have anything official, but Hephaestion had been the logical choice as a successor. Oh, I see. But they were mostly the same age, right? So Yeah, but you know, it was it more happens, like in case something in case of happened. emergency. Right, right, okay. Yeah. Because they were both brothers in law now that they had married uh, uh-huh. Persian princesses. Right. And also was commander of the royal guard, essentially his first minister. It was the pretty evident choice. Right. And I mentioned that the pregnancy of Alexander's wife comes hmm. in a narratively important moment. Right. Well, Exactly one month after Hephaestion's death, Alexander's wife Roxana is pregnant. I see. So you can see this in a few ways. Mm -hmm. You can see it either as Alexander in his grief falling in the arms of his beautiful young wife and, well, pregnancy Mm -hmm. resulted from there. Or you could see it as Alexander suddenly realizing his mortality. Yeah. The fact that if Hephaestion can die... He can die. Oh no, I have no family members to succeed me. Oh god, oh god. I need an heir. Roxana, come here this instant. (laughs) Roxana, help! So this is why I mentioned earlier that it was at a narratively interesting point. Because it feels like it would be too much of a coincidence if he had always been trying for an heir. Mm -hmm. Up until this point. But we can see. But yeah, so after Feistion's death, Alexander is really unhappy. Mm -hmm. And he decides to return to Babylon in spring of 323, where he receives foreign embassies and plans a new conquest. He plans to go west. He needs to throw himself in his work to try and get over this. He decides, 
I'm going to conquer Arabia, and if I can't reach the eastern edge of the world, I'll reach the western edge of the world. I'll go all the way to the Atlantic Ocean, take Carthage, take Spain, then march the way back across the Mediterranean, so my empire will be complete. Right. But Alexander didn't really know what to do with himself, and he began to drink a lot, mm. enough that it started to worry his doctors. Right. And it's here that we start to get omens. Oh. Again. Yes. Because we're told that one day, while Alexander was inspecting the irrigation around the city of Babylon, some winds blew off his royal diadem. Ooh. It's basically a ribbon that you have around your head. Mm-hmm. And this ribbon was caught in the reeds in front of an old Assyrian tomb. So, a bit ominous. Also, one of his lieutenants went to pick up this diadem to recover it. Yeah. And since this lieutenant didn't want to have the diadem get soaked in the river, he put it on his head to try and carry it over to Alexander. No, come on. You can't just hold it on your hand or something (laughs) or put it, like, around Well, if you did, it gets soaked if you're swimming in the river. So it's like... (sighs) That was the logic. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So that's not great. And then on the 29th of May, after a particularly intense bout of drinking, Alexander was struck with a fever. Oh, as you do. He tried to continue as normal in the next few days, but on the 5th of June, even he accepted that situation wasn't good. Mm. Oh, God. And he orders all his officers to remain within call of his bedside in case the worst were to come. So Alexander gave his childhood friend, the guy who had killed Philip's murderer, Mm -hmm. a man called Perdiccas, his signet ring to rule while Alexander was sick. Right. And the soldiers were let in to say goodbye to their king, go past his sickbed. Then in the night, between the 9th and 10th of June, 323, his officers asked Alexander to whom he should give the kingdom, who would succeed who is the heir, Alexander? We need to know. Please, Alexander. It's important. Alexander replied to the strongest. Come on, Alex! Dude! You can't do this! You can't do this! This is a perfect recipe to lose your whole empire! What is wrong with you? Also, Serial, do you remember what event starts up the Trojan War? Oh, no. <laughs> Um, well, it is Paris, right? Yes, it's the pa- judgment of Paris. Yeah, the judgment of Paris, who gets some wishes from the goddess. Because Eris gives a golden apple who says, to the fairest, and just yes. lets the goddesses battle about it. Yes. Oh and, you know, in Greek, to the fairest sounds as tekaliste, while to the strongest is tokratisto. So... I would believe that Alexander went out making a reference to his favorite story and throwing the world to hell because if I can't have it, no one can. This is so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, come on. No reference is worth this. Listen, I am the first person to appreciate a good callback, but like this isn't it. Uh, Yeah. God. Mm. Alexander's last words were, I foresee great funeral games in my honor. And Alexander's funeral games would play out across the next 40 years as people figure out what to do with the empire. (sighs) On the morning of the 10th, Alexander was gone. 
Yeah. God damn it, Alexander. Seriously, yeah. man. But before we rate him, we still have to understand how did he die? Why did he die? Yeah. Well, the cause of death is a bit unclear, but there are well, two main options. First is natural death and second is murder. Mm, as it usually is. Yeah. Yeah. So the murder cause is... Poison. Basically, the murder story says that Aristotle himself prepared the poison oh my for his old student. <laughs> no. Yes. Come on. <laughs> and sent it over with Cassander, the son of the regent back in Macedon, who administered it to Alexander himself. Oh, and personally, I don't know if I believe this entirely, mostly because it's just narratively appropriate. This can't be. This can't be it. Essentially, because it sort of works with his corruption arc. Yeah. Because he was becoming too Persian, his nobles decided he has to go. He has gone too far. And they ended him. So his own ambition was what caused his downfall. Yeah. I think it fits a bit too nicely into that narrative. Yeah. Another option is that visiting a malarial swamp oh. isn't great yeah. for your health. So could have been that. Yep. Yep. Checks out. Especially since his immune system had been weakened by so many injuries across all his life, mm -hmm. you know, arrows everywhere, that sort of thing. Yeah. Another one that I saw is that there's apparently a pathology whereby their arrow going through his lung mm -hmm. would have caused scar tissue to continuously grow without oh. stopping. Oh, terrible. And so he had been dying ever since he was pierced by that Indian yeah. arrow two years earlier. Yeah, it was but a nasty... it's only nasty, now that it took over with him. It was a nasty injury, so... Yeah, exactly. Oh, and another option, actually, is that Alexander killed himself accidentally. Oh. Accidentally? Yeah, because if you remember, Alexander was fond of medicine when mm -hmm. he was learning yeah, yeah, that's Aristotle. True. He would brew his own potions and such to help yes, his friends pretty much. and himself. And, well, the idea here is that when he was trying to get better... Mm -hmm. He increased his own dose of medicine to oh, try and get better faster. Right. And, you know, most medicine is poisonous in too high doses, so that is what uh, did him in. Yeah, interesting. So, that is an option. What is your favorite cereal? Oh, uh, honestly, all of them are kind of plausible. I like that one. I like that he might have misjudged the dose. But he should know that the dose would have been poisonous. If he was good at medicine. I mean, he should, but he was uh, in fever yeah. state. He was, you know, it could be that he just thought, no, 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 I know better. Shut up. The, the doctors killed Hephaestion. I'm, not going, to, uh, I'm yeah. not going to do this. Let me just say, I don't think it was Aristotle. I think that's narrative. But yeah, I don't know. Or it might have just been the injury. Yeah, it could have just been that, you know, he was very patched up. I prefer the natural causes to the murder. Yeah. I think mostly because the murder fits so well. Like, that the great Alexander should be killed by a mosquito is not yeah. as dramatic, but it is more realistic. Yeah, it's probably what happened, honestly. Malaria is terrible. Yeah. So, there we go. But one last thing is a theory that I don't think it's very widely accepted, but I thought it was fun, so I'll tell mm -hmm. you, because yeah. I'm Herodotus and I'm not Thucydides. <laughs> <laughs> is that we might actually still have Alexander's body. Oh, wait. No way. Seriously. 
<laughs> Again, not widely accepted, but maybe. Okay, maybe. Because, without giving too much away, Alexander's body is eventually transported to Alexandria in Egypt, where it's mm -hmm. mummified, and it'll be seen there for centuries oh. by different Roman emperors, that sort of thing. You know, Augustus goes there. I think Caligula steals Alexander's <laughs> armor. Oh my god, <laughs> of course he does! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Caligula. But the problem is that the tomb is eventually lost sometime in the crisis of the third century. Mm -hmm. We lose trace. We don't know what happened to it. Might have been destroyed. Might have been smuggled away. We okay. don't know. Yeah. Now, according to the theory that I am um, discussing here, apparently after a while, the body was still worshipped. But as Christianization came, people sort of forgot whose body it was. Right. You know, there was a crisis period. They thought, okay, it's someone's body. It's probably a saint. Who's yeah. the saint of Alexandria? St. Mark. Sure, that'll do. Mm. I see. Now, there's a story that in the Middle Ages, the Venetians, whose yes. patron is St. Mark, smuggled the body of St. Mark away from Alexandria in a barrel of yes. pork so that the Muslim authorities wouldn't look into it. You have told me this because we have traveled to Venice together. Yes. And so that is the story. And so the body of St. Mark was brought all the way to Venice, where it is still to this day. Now, the theory says that actually the St. Mark, quote unquote, that the Venetians found in Alexandria was just Alexandra's body that everybody had forgotten about. Oh. And so technically the mummified body of Alexander the Great is in St. Mark's Basilica in Venice. Interesting. The authorities have refused to try a DNA test. <laughs> <laughs> could you do a DNA? Like, could you? I, I don't think that would reveal much. Try. We don't have anything to compare it to, but maybe the region of where it's from. Yeah, I mean, you could tell if it's a Jewish man from the first century AD versus a Macedonian man from the fourth century BC. Right, right. Oh, you could have should, a vague idea if it is. And, they should do it. They should. Yeah, do the it. Metropolitan refused to give authorization. Oh. They should, though. It would be cool. But again, I said, this isn't widely accepted. I just thought it's fun. You should yeah. Okay. So that's Alexander the Great. Alexander the Destroyer. Alexander the God Emperor. Alexander the Spoiled Child. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are you ready to rate him? Uh, yeah, I think so. Let's go. So our first category is Final Moments. What do you think of Alexander's death? How interesting was it? Oh, very interesting. There's several versions of it to start with. It's also in mm -hmm. a terrible, like, well, I mean, it's not on a terrible moment. He just, like, did not prepare at all. So any moment would have yeah. been a terrible moment. <laughs> but I like the panic of everybody, like, around it. I like yeah. that he just did not care. <laughs> he truly did <laughs> Like, he did not care for, like, leaving things in good hands or anything. He was like, uh, no. well, guess that's me now. Yeah. All he's leaving is a pregnant wife. Yep. The end. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, but this is one of the most interesting deaths. It's also probably one of the most discussed. Also because Alexander's very famous, but, you know, uh, lots of mystery surrounding it. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a high number. I'm going to give it, like, a eight. Eight? Hmm. I was Let between eight and nine. But, like, I don't think it's the most amazing thing. Uh, but it is, you know. Yeah, we've had better, but I think eight is a fair assessment, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Bartia is a lot cooler, but <laughs> eight is still good. <laughs> I mean, who gets to die, like, three times? That is brilliant. 
Okay, so with an 8 and an 8, Alexander gets an 8 out of 10 for final moments. Next category is Battle Hardness. How good was he at conquest, destruction, pillage, war? I, uh, 10. I mean... This category was made for him. Can we, yeah. like... Is Let's this even a discussion? what he did before giving him a 10. But we are giving him a 10. So Alexander took a small army from Macedon, managed to reestablish control over Greece, managed to conquer Anatolia, right. pass down, defeat the King of Kings twice, defeat another large Achaemenid army, destroy the city of Tyre by making it no longer an island anymore, yeah. destroy Gaza, take Egypt, defeat Darius, conquer all of Iran, conquer Bactria and Sogdiana city by city by city, go to India, fight people with elephants, conquer that area of India, continue to fight, and then have the largest empire in the world at the time. By the age he was 25, he was pharaoh and king of Persia, and by the time he died at 33, he was the most powerful man in the world. I think a 10 yep. is fully achievable. He'd never lost a battle. He was always fighting when he was outnumbered. Say what you will about him, but he's good at stabbing people. He's good at one thing, and that thing was conquest. Yes. Alexander the Conqueror. Yes, so congratulations, Alexander. You are our first 20 out of 20 for battle hardness. Just two points above Darius the Great. So there we go. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and deceptions and all that? He deserves definitely some points here as well. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> uh, it's been a lot. <laughs> so let's go back to last episode. He probably had his father killed. Yep. Presumably. Yep. He went behind his father's back to try and get a marriage with a satrap in secret. So that's pretty schemey too. Yeah. He kind of, sort of, asked his mom to kill his step-siblings and his political rivals, and then put the blame on his mom. Yep. That's something. Then, I don't know if you want to put scheming as the propaganda to make him a god, and the son of a god. Uh, not See what you really, will with that. Maybe, I don't know, his propaganda in general, at least the part that is his fault, because a lot of it has been obviously added yeah, afterwards. Sure. Then we have the propaganda for Darius, giving him the empire. Oh, yeah. We have Alexander scheming to have his generals come to him to have them executed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he forced through torture and scheming Parmenion and his family to be executed. Yeah. Darius would be proud. <laughs> yeah. He destroyed the conspiracy of the pages. So there's a lot of scheming. Yeah, true. How much is the question? Because we gave Darius a 10 out of 10, and he is our highest score so far. Darius the Great, of course. Uh, yeah. How do you think Alexander stacks up to that? I feel like a 9 out of 10 at least. I don't think he's on par with Darius quite yet, just because Darius was, like, mostly... Like, Alexander was, was a fighting man right yeah and all of this was a bit secondary obviously it helped but Darius used mostly his scheminess to like get things his way and it was in a very smart way yeah so i think a nine out of ten would make sense nine out of ten but he did a lot of it too so mm, i don't know 
I'm between an eight and a nine because, because I mean, he did a lot of plotting, but it isn't his key category like it was yeah. is with Darius. So I don't know if it should. Uh, uh, I'm going to give him an eight, presuming that he was slightly falling off the deep end <laughs> after India. So, yeah, I'm going to go with an eight. You can go with a nine. So in total, that is a 17 out of 20 for scheminess. Sounds good. <laughs> Next category is shock factor. How <laughs> shocking was this man? God, just constantly. Wow. Just, ah. <laughs> uh. Well, he, again, presumably had his father murdered yep. and his other relatives that were a threat. He As destroyed Tyre so utterly that their traditional enemies sent ships to try and get refugees out of there. Yep. He God, destroyed so Gaza intense. in the same way. And he also cosplayed Achilles by dragging the governor of Gaza behind his chariot I in just, celebration. Why would you take that from the Iliad? <laughs> yeah. He also, well, again, made himself be declared a god and son of a god. This is not something that happens in Macedon. Yeah. This is quite shocking for him. He burned Persepolis to the ground. All the art, culture, and literature that was there is that gone. Is because that is of terrible. Alexander. Yeah. He presumably had Darius's six-year-old son murdered because we don't hear from him anymore. Yep. He killed his friend and the man who had saved his life, Clytus yeah. Black, in a drunken argument. He tried to get his men to go towards the end of the world, even when it was extraordinarily clear that everybody wanted to go home. He climbed up a ladder on his own to try and take a city, despite nobody following him, and then got speared with an arrow. Yep. And then, well, he had massive insane spending for Hephaestion's funeral. He had the poor doctor crucified. He murdered a bunch of tribes yeah. for Hephaestion's shade. And then there are two more dubious ones, which are that, I mean, shock factor also, he had, he murdered a lot of different satraps that opposed yeah. him. Not that we need to add dubious things. Like the actual confirmed things are plenty, but... Yeah, and if we add dubious things, he potentially, in revenge for not getting him to the end of the world. He potentially drove his men into a death trap. Uh-huh. I don't believe it, but... Me neither, but, you know, it's mentioned. there. And finally, he went out saying, to the strongest. <laughs> Dude. Which, it could be, again, just a feverish mind. He's at his last breaths. He doesn't understand much. So he's like, yeah, this'll do. Or he might have just been saying, if I can't have it, no one can. Yeah. Which, really silly. Because what is an empire for if you're not going to rule it afterwards? Yeah, so what are your thoughts? <sighs> How much shock factor would you give? Again, the maximum hero we've had is Cambyses II with an 18 out of 20. Which was mostly propaganda, but that's what shock factor is, really. Yeah, you know, it's what um, is your legacy? How terrifying is your legacy? Yeah. And how terrifying um, were you? I think, yeah, I think he... God, Alexander. Also, if you want to add as an extra shock factor is the fact that he adopted Iranian customs and alienated both the Macedonians and the Iranians. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Terrible job. Terrible job at it. <laughs> yeah. I. Why shouldn't it be a 10? I'm also thinking about <laughs> that. That was my logic. Why shouldn't it be a 10? Indeed. Uh, I think it just should. I think it might have to. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm going with a 10. You following? Yep. Okay, so with a 10 and a 10, Alexander gets the highest shock factor of all our kings with a 20 out of 20. Seriously, what was this? Like, what what the hell, Alex? It was a lot. <laughs> okay, so next category is Eren Shine. How good was he for the Empire? How much better off is the Achaemenid Empire now that Alexander has taken control? Okay. <laughs> so. Well. I think as an assessment, it's fair to look at what Darius III got and what Alexander the Great is leaving. Right. I yes. think that's a good baseline to see. Sure. So what has changed? Well, if we're just looking at a map, the empire is roughly similar in size because Alexander has added Macedonia and Greece and he has added bits of India, although it's mostly through vassal kings, not direct control. Yeah. But there are a lot of semi-independent satraps on the edge of the empire that have now made their own kingdoms. So whatever land Alexander has gained has been lost from the wider empire. Mm. So not much of a change. Okay, let's look a bit deeper then. The empire has several cities less. They have been destroyed and their population butchered. Mm -hmm. I wonder who did that. So that's not good. Alexander has actively harmed the empire by destroying several important cities that were there. Yes, he's built a few new cities, but they're glorified military encampments. They're nothing too impressive. Not at the moment, anyway. They will become relevant, but for now... Eh. Then what did Alexander do? We're talking about cities. He destroyed Persepolis, the core of the Golden Age. That beautiful place that held all the symbolic greatness of the empire is now gone. There is nothing left, so that's been destroyed. Next, since it's Iran, Shine, the Iranian nobility is no longer in charge. We now have a foreigner ruling the empire. The empire has shifted to a Macedonian nobility, and any attempts at conciliation that Alexander has made have generally been by empowering the Macedonians instead of the local Iranians. And yeah, through the marriages, he's trying to basically assimilate the local nobility. He is trying to rewrite it. And though we initially see that he still keeps loyal Iranian satraps at their satrapies, he progressively expels more and more of them and replaces them with Macedonians. Yeah. So not doing great for the Iranian population. Also, well, you could say that he did carve a bloody path through the empire. So a generation is permanently traumatized, if not in the ground, both on the Macedonian side and the Iranian side. So that's not great. But maybe he improved the legitimacy situation. Darius had a legitimacy problem, didn't he? Yeah. Well, before, when Darius took the throne, there were a few dozen potential candidates for the throne. Now that Alexander's dead, he is leaving behind as potential successors a pregnant wife and a half-brother that isn't considered fit to rule. Fun. Which means that if nobody is legitimate enough to rule the empire, that means everybody is legitimate enough to rule the empire. Yeah. Free for all. So we've gone from a few dozen pretenders to everybody in the world is a potential pretender. This is fine. This is fine. This will be okay. So, how much good do you think he did for the Empire? (laughs) What is your opinion on not a zero for this? (sighs) Ah, damn. Because how did he help? We have more territory now? (laughs) Not really. We lost territory Uh, as well. 
God. Like, we lost a lot of independent kingdoms in Anatolia and in the Caucasus. You know, the edges have been melting away while Alexander eats Alex, the central part. Alex, what did you do? <laughs> we had a good thing going. Artaxerxes the Third had fixed things. nice things. It's all Bagoas' fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just blame Bagoas. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Uh, yeah, do, do you have any anything uh, to say in his favor? Um, um, <laughs> not really. Oh, he married okay. Achaemenes, uh, so they're, you know, still, uh, yeah, there's no succession, so no, not even that. Uh, yeah, he married them, he had no heirs with yeah. them, which is absolutely not helping. Yeah, no, I I can't I can't see how this is good in any way. Okay, so dear Alexander, you knew <laughs> this was coming. You get a zero out of zero from me and Serial for Erinshine, which is a zero out of twenty. Erinshine. Sorry, Alex. Should have cared more about the Empire instead of just battling and conquering without actually thinking what you're gonna do afterwards. Yeah. That's not how ruling works. Be a general oh. for that, you know? Yeah, Alexander should not have been a ruler. He should have yeah, just no. been someone else's general. But then again, yeah. he wouldn't have been happy being subordinate, so... Yeah. Eh. And next category is face of faces. What did this man look like? I'm working on it. We can do this. Also, for a portrait, I have two different portraits. We'll judge him on mm. the closest one. Because the first portrait is the one from his court sculptor. Uh-huh. A man called Lysippus, which was one of the three great sculptors of classical Greece. I see. Interesting. And yeah, while we don't have Lysippus's real portrait uh-huh. of Alexander, Aww. we have a Roman copy of the original. Okay. So, so hopefully whoever copied it was... It should be similarly yeah. enough, you know. So this is what we have of Alexander, and it's... Uh, I'll show it to you once I've seen your version. And this was the only sculptor that Alexander thought was worthy of depicting him because Ooh. it was the greatest sculptor ever. And also I'm going to show you as another thing, a later portrait of Alexander because it goes through the Apolloification of Alexander. Yes. Because Alexander starts off as a down-to-earth Macedonian man that if you try and punch him, you will hurt your hand. Yeah. But... He eventually becomes more ethereal and pure and heroic as time goes on. So I'll just show you a variation of the two so you can see them side by side. We love this pipeline. I am a fan. Yes. All right. So Serial is going to send me their drawing and I will then describe it to you, dear listeners. And as usual, it's going to be on the website for your viewing pleasure. Let's see what you think. Okay, so... First of all, very cool. And um, yeah, so we have Alexander here. The first thing that I notice is that he is pierced in multiple places by arrows, as <laughs> his custom. You know. Yeah, nice. He has a nice uh, typical Greek armor that is there with some shoulder straps, short sleeves, and a nice cloak that is wrapped around his shoulders. And then upon his head, he has, well, of course, the curly hair, which is the Alexander thing. Yeah. And then he has a very, very fierce-looking lion helmet, which has a lot of teeth. <laughs> which definitely fits the vibe. And then he has starry eyes, because, of course, look at him. He's beautiful. Also, he's holding a large spear in front of himself, and he has what looks like an EKG on the side of his head. Oh, yeah. Well, I wanted to add a bit of the strange thoughts that would cross his mind. 
that you oh know, i see good the concussion results <laughs> yes the concussion lines that we all experience <laughs> also i don't know if you noticed but i based the armor on the one depicted on the mosaic oh of course right that that very loosely very loosely press about the accuracy so now it's time to see what alexander looked like in lysippus which is his court sculptor and in a later apollo version so sarah let me know if you could see so to the right is the original life portrait to the left is the future apolloified portrait i see yes you can describe them Right, so on the right, it's a pretty classical-looking statue, you know, with the straight nose and just, you know, with the hair growing up and backwards, kind of how it's been described. Stoic-looking man, long nose and strong jawline, a pretty wide face, smaller eyes, just like overall like a robust build, Mm -hmm. a slightly wavy hair around the head. And then the Apolloified version, it still keeps a bit of the whiteness of the face and the strong jaw, but it's more like the eyes are bigger and the lips are a bit more plump and it's a bit more like youthful and the (laughs) curls are all over the place. Just wonderful flowing hair. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you can tell it's the same guy, but one is definitely gone uh, to a spa day before (laughs) right well it's a bit more of a like youth focused very stylized beautified kind of version yeah also the features are a lot finer they're not as robust as the original version yeah okay so there we go that is what we get for alexander's appearance so what would you rate him for face of faces oh a 10 i love a 10 oh okay there's so many depictions of him, and I agree with all of them. Both the like pretty ones because they usually depict the legend of Alexander the Great, mm-hmm. and the contemporary-ish ones that we have because you know that's the and, and all the descriptions we have and everything. I really enjoy portraits of Alexander. So, yeah. Okay. Nice. So, yeah. So you go with a ten. Does he? Yeah, I'd say a 10 as well, because it's just so iconic that you can't really do much more. So a 10 and a 10 makes it 5 out of 5 for Face of Faces. Excellent. And next category is lengthiness. How long do you think he ruled Persia? So that is to say, pretty much the length of this episode that we had today. So from when he is king of Persia to untimely demise. Because I know he died relatively young, and I know he also did things before. Uh, ruling Persia. So I'm going to say 10 years? Close, but you're overestimating him. Uh, yeah. So he died at the age of 32 in oh, okay. 323 BC in June. Then six years. So ruling seven years from ah! 330 to 323. Almost. <laughs> okay. So dividing by 10, that gives us a 0.7 out of 5 points for lengthiness. Right. And so this leads us to the final score. How juicy was Alexander's story? <laughs> How exciting was his life? Oh, God, it had well, everything. Ah, yeah. this man. In the end, he gets a 70.7 out of 100 points. Wow. Which makes him just second to Darius the Great with 80.1. That feels correct. 
<laughs> feels fair I to mean, me. Yeah, especially, again, reminding the listeners that this is more of a juiciness score than a how good you were <laughs> score. The Erin Shine is there for that. But still, Alexander is a very interesting individual. Say yeah, there's what you a will lot about, about him. him. We yeah. needed two episodes just to cover all that he did and all that has been written about him. So, you know. So, right now, our podium for King of Kings is... Darius the Great in first place, Alexander the Great in second place, and Artaxerxes the Third in third place. Because that we feels love our, right. our under, <laughs> underrepresented boy. Yeah, that feels correct. I don't know. But this doesn't guarantee Alexander a place in the Paradise Gardens with all of his predecessors, no longer ancestors. Listen. Do you think he is interesting, fascinating, what do you glorious, think? and great <laughs> enough to be a Shahanshah? Or is he. Too much of a destroyer, and he is more of a shot. Well, he was terrible, but also (laughs) there's so much story and so much influence in the rest of history on his side that, like, he has to be. We have to have him there. Who hasn't heard of Alexander the Great? (laughs) I have to agree. Alexander the Unhinged. He is definitely a shot and shot here. So, congratulations, Alexander. As if your ego needed any more stroking. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell Artaxerxes III, hey, remember all that stabilization you did? I undid it. Congratulations. You're welcome. (laughs) I don't Uh, think Alexander's going to go super far in the final battle head-to-head because he wasn't great for the Empire, but, you know, he definitely deserves a place in memory. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So there we go. That is the end of today's episode and to the end of Alexander the Great. And I hope you'll join us next time to figure out who's next, what's happening. Oh, God. Uh, panic. <laughs> also, in the meantime, if you have the time, we would really appreciate if you could rate us and review us on whatever podcast app of your choice is, because it helps more people know that we're around and that you enjoy us and we've received some very nice comments so far and we always appreciate more indeed well thanks everybody for listening to the episodes and we'll see you next week hopefully yeah so have a good week and see you next time goodbye goodbye